0: Episode 7 of All Those Things Revealed As we stepped outside, the cool February air was a slap in the face. It was noticeably colder than it had been when I had opened the door for Shannon. There was also a fairly strong wind that was beginning to brew. Mother drew the collar of her coat closer to her chin. She too must have registered the change in the weather because she looked about and said, The weather can change quickly in this part of Ireland. It will probably begin to rain within an hour or two. We walked briskly towards Dunas' house. We were less than a mile from the grand house. I glanced at Mother expectantly. Mother's eyes were darting about as we walked as if she were looking for someone. After walking for a couple of minutes, I saw an older man walking along the road. It was then that I saw that he had emerged from a small path. As we got closer to him, I could see that the path led to a cluster of cottages. I looked at mother again and saw that her face had brightened. When the man was close enough to hear us, mother called out to him. "'Good morning and God's blessing on you,' she said. "'Tis a good morning. God and Mary's blessing on the both of you,' he said." He smiled and I could see where he was missing teeth. His clothes were quite worn. In Athlone, he would have easily been mistaken for a beggar. Where is the servant's gate? Mother asked. The man smiled more broadly. Aye, you want to get behind the wall? He asked. Mother smiled and said, yes, I want to show my daughter the wells. Mr. Macy will not mind. He just hired my husband. Gentleman Macy won't mind. He is a good man, he said. He turned and pointed down the road before continuing in his low and steady voice. Walk until you are almost at the main gate. There is a path to your right. Take the path and it will lead you to the end of the wall. There is a small opening there. Thank you, mother said. The man smiled and continued walking. Good day, mother added quickly. The man nodded and replied, and you as well. He tipped his frayed hat to both of us. Mother and I nodded to him. She finally began to relax the muscles in her face. I couldn't understand why she didn't simply ask permission from Mr. Macy. He seemed to be kindly and gracious. As we approached the path, Mother glanced at me. I nodded, acknowledging that I knew that this was where we veered off. As we continued walking, I began to hear a strange sound that seemed to get closer and closer. I stopped, and Mother did too. She looked at me questioningly. Then I heard it again. It was a low roar. A look of recognition suddenly crossed her face. It is the Shannon. We are very close, Mother said. We continued walking down the path. I saw another cluster of cat's paw flowers, the ones that Mother had called Mountain Everlastings. Mother noticed them too. Their delicate pink and white flowers danced in the wind. "'Mountain everlasting flowers are common in this area,' she said. "'We walked along for another minute in silence before Mother began to speak. "'I wanted to show you these ruins today because I won't be able to tomorrow,' she said. "'I looked at her, but she did not glance in my direction. "'She did not slow her pace either. "'Ruins?' I asked. "'I was confused. "'Even though I was still getting my bearings,' I knew that we were not walking in the direction of the castle ruins, but instead we were walking in the opposite direction. I also couldn't understand why she couldn't show me these ruins tomorrow when we visited Dunas' house. Yes, Mother replied. She seemed anxious and determined. She continued to look straight ahead and kept walking at the same steady pace. After we had walked along the path for another minute in silence, she suddenly and abruptly continued. Your father doesn't want you to join us tomorrow when we visit Dunas' house for tea. He believes it would be shameful and inappropriate to introduce you to the young ladies and Mrs. Macy when your condition will soon become evident for all to see. He is going to tell them that you are unwell. He believes that you should remain out of sight as much as possible while we are here. I felt tears sting my eyes. I did not respond. And you need to avoid that young man, Shannon. He seems to have taken a fancy to you. I don't blame you for that, but your father does not want you to be social with anyone if it isn't absolutely necessary. Once your condition begins to show, people will talk. You need to make yourself scarce, she added. I bit my lip to keep from responding to this. I felt anger surge within me. I knew that people would talk when my condition became obvious, but I also knew that my parents could have concocted a story if they had wanted to spare me this shame. I was 16, and girls as young as me were often married. They could have simply told people that I was a young widow. Instead, they wished to hide me away. I would be cloistered in my family's cottage. We walked along in silence and soon came to the end of a path, We turned along the path and came to the end of the long stone wall that protected and surrounded the private grounds of Duna's house. I looked to my right and could see the goddess's river through a thicket of trees. We found the opening at the end of the wall. It was narrow, but we easily made our way inside. I looked around and saw that a considerable portion of the part of their walled grounds closest to the river had been left in a natural state. It was a small and picturesque wilderness. I could see some of the back of the mansion house from where I stood. It pained me that I would not be allowed to visit and have tea. Mother slowly walked towards some stone ruins. When we reached the ruins, she crossed herself. I followed her and did the same. My eyes took in the sight with bewilderment and curiosity. As I looked more closely, I could see that the ruins were of a very ancient stone building. It was about the size of our main room in our cottage. The roof was gone, but three of the stone walls remained. The tiny building had once consisted of two rooms. I walked around the building and saw that an extension existed at the front, which was in too much of a state of ruin to determine its size. At most, it may have been half the size of the structure that was still standing, but it was impossible to tell because it had completely fallen away. It was little more than a pile of rubble. These are the ruins of a church founded by St. Shannon, Mother said. She walked some paces towards another stone ruin. I could see as I got closer that it was a well. And this is his holy well, she added. She reached for my hand. We walked around the holy well in a clockwise direction three times. As we did, Mother began reciting the Ave Maria prayer. I heard her say in a low voice, Ave Maria, grazia plena, dominus tecum. The remainder of her prayer was said in silence as we finished our rotations around the holy well. I watched her lips move noiselessly. Mother let go of my hand. She kissed her fingertips and then touched the holy well three times before walking on towards another well. The civil parish is Kiltenanliya. This was the original name of the entire area before it became known as Dunas. Kilton on Leah means Church of Old St. Shannon, she said. We reached another well. This is the well of St. Muhalla, who was his brother, she said. Mother reached for my hand and we walked around the well three times. She silently mouthed prayers. When we had finished, Mother once again kissed her fingers and touched the holy well three times. We began walking back to the opening in the gate saint shannon was the ancestor of our malone clan as well as the maloney clan the maloney clan once owned and controlled all of these lands that are now part of mr macy's dunas estate she said we walked along in silence for another few minutes my parents were both malones they were very distant cousins easily two centuries removed I was once told that Malones have been moving to and from this part of County Clare since the Normans arrived. These parts are as much our home as our ancestral lands in Westmeath. In a sense, we are returning, she said. She didn't slow her pace as we continued to walk. The wind had strengthened, and I felt moisture in the air. I knew that we would soon be walking in the rain. Costanza, St. Shannon is our ancestor. We are Calidae, she added. We didn't speak again as we hurried home. A few raindrops fell on us before we reached our cottage. Mother opened a double door and seeing that father was not waiting, she breathed a very audible sigh of relief. I knew that she was worried that father would find out that we had visited the dune Domain. Remove your coat before your father returns. He is not to hear of our outing, she said. I nodded and walked towards my room. On entering my room, I heard mother at the hearth. I knew that she was building up the fire. I walked towards my bed and removed my coat, throwing it onto the chest. I sank down in my bed and removed my wet shoes. As soon as I had done so, I heard father return. Mother and I had not returned a moment too soon. I heard voices outside of my door. I pressed my hands to my hair and hoped that it wasn't obvious that I had just returned from walking outside. I walked to my mirror and looked at my reflection. My hair was damp and my face was slightly pink from the cold air. The voices outside of my door faded. I listened near their door and suddenly mother opened it. She walked into my room and placed a small wrapped bundle on the edge of my bed. She left without saying a word shannon jumped onto my bed she swiped at the brown paper and string that held the bundle together i walked over and slowly untied the string i pulled away the paper and saw that my bundle consisted of three new books i gasped i had never received three books at once my father had traveled to limerick to buy books for me at the thought of this i felt joy But then my joy soon evaporated when I realized that these books were to keep me occupied since I was to be hidden away in the hope that the old adage, out of sight, out of mind, would prove to be true. In time, they would cease to wonder why they had seen neither hide nor hair of me, and then they would simply forget that my parents had a daughter. Father brought me books. Mother shared something very special with me. They did so because they both knew that the shame that burned within them was unjust and wrong. An innate knowledge within their hearts told them so. Their acts of kindness were to assuage their own guilt. They were not done for me. Father and mother buried their wisdom with their shame, but they would not bury me. I knew then that I would defy them at every opportunity. The next morning when I woke i was careful to make as little sound as possible i combed my hair and quietly placed my brush onto my table i washed my face and as i did so i was careful to cup the water into my hands so that i would not splash any i dressed just as carefully i moved about my room as if i were a thief in a night with stockinged feet and a very light step i was as silent as the grave once i heard my parents moving about i placed my nightdress over my clothes and climbed back into bed shannon lay at the foot of my bed she watched me before losing interest and in closing her eyes i pulled my quilt nearly up to my chin and opened a book i knew that my family's invitation had been changed from an invitation to afternoon tea to an invitation to an early lunch They were also to have a full tour of the estate in Mr. Macy's carriage by Mr. Macy himself. They would have to leave two hours before the early lunch. I lay in bed and listened. It took about 20 minutes, but eventually Mother opened the door. I've left toast on the table. The kettle is full, too. Your father and I will be leaving soon, she said. I smiled politely. Thank you, I said. Mother lowered her voice and furrowed her brows. "'I wish you were joining us,' she said. "'Thank you, Mother. I understand why I cannot join you and Father. His decision is for the best,' I said. Mother looked at me with some surprise. I hoped that I wasn't giving away my clandestine intentions by the expression on my face. After watching me for a few moments, she simply nodded and left. Soon I heard the front door open and close.' silence followed i remained in bed for a few minutes before getting out of bed and removing my nightdress i walked to the table and saw that mother had left buttered toast and jam she had even made my tea i poured some milk in shannon's dish and then returned to the table to eat my breakfast i ate quickly because i was excited i was thrilled with my simple plan i would defy my parents I would see some of my new home on my own without their permission. I would greet anyone I encountered, and I would not hesitate to introduce myself. Once I had finished, I went to our double door and opened the top of it. I was delighted to see that the sun was shining. It was cold, but it was also bright and clear. I would not have to hide rain-soaked clothes or wipe mud off of the floors to cover my tracks, literally and figuratively. I donned my coat and placed a couple of coins in my pocket. As soon as I stepped out of the cottage, some of my confidence began to diminish. I began to worry that someone would mention my wanderings to my parents. After some hesitation at my door, I took a deep breath and did my best to banish my fears and doubts. I closed the cottage door and began to walk in a direction opposite of Mr. Macy's estate and towards Clonlara. The delightful sunshine helped me to move forward. I knew that my parents would be furious if they were to discover that I had defied them, but I also knew that I had to defy them. I had to do so for my own sake. Sometimes I felt as if I were drowning in their disapproval and shame. This act of defiance buoyed me, even if it also frightened me, too. I walked past a small cluster of cottages and cabins. I stopped behind a hedge so that I could stare at them without being seen. The cabins were very poor and could not have contained more than one room each. There were also two small cottages nearby. One had fresh thatching and whitewash. The other one showed obvious signs of flood damage. Their close proximity to one another made it clear that none of the tenants could have possibly possessed much land. I heard about these conditions while attending my head school classes. The farmers, even the poorest among them, had prospered when Napoleon and the French had terrorized Europe since food prices were at an all-time high. The farmers were paid well for their crops and livestock. They were able to pay their rents and still feed themselves. These farmers had inherited a legacy. During the worst years of the anti Catholic penal laws, Roman Catholics were forbidden to leave an estate to an eldest son. Instead, they had to divide their estates equally amongst their sons. It didn't take long before estates were so subdivided that each lot was far too small for any family to live off the proceeds. Protestant landlords easily gathered these lands. In time, more than 95% of the land in Ireland was owned by fewer than 30 families. When food prices soared, tenant farmers continued the tradition of subdivision and further subdivision with their leases. They were getting high prices for their foodstuffs, and less land was needed in order to prosper. They began to lease small plots of their rented land to others in need of a small plot to grow some potatoes. People also began to grow potatoes wherever they could, so they could sell more of their grain crops, dairy products, and livestock. Mountainsides and rockiest soils were dotted with lazy beds. The population increased, and the conditions became even more tenuous. Finally, the French were defeated, and food prices plummeted. But the rents that the landlords charged did not. The one-room mud cabins with neither window nor chimney were once lived in by a small minority of the population. But once the food prices drastically fell, these dwellings became common. The small plots of land that had once been enough for a family to prosper were barely enough to pay for these miserable one-room cabins. The plots that were even smaller provided so little that many found themselves constantly staving off death from starvation. In Western Ireland, more than half of the population lived in these porous of cabins. They ate potatoes for nine months of the year and were in a state of near starvation for the other three. Those three months were usually June, July, and August, but could even include September, They were known as the meal months, since people were forced to buy corn or oatmeal at prices they could ill afford to fend off death from starvation. I walked on. I hoped that I could avoid the main road where Mr. Macy and my parents might be traveling, but there were few paths. I kept my eyes open as I walked. I passed Elm Hill House and was almost to Springfield House when I stopped in my tracks. I heard the unmistakable sounds of horses and the wheels of a carriage quickly approaching. Panic seized my chest and it tightened. I saw a lane not far away. I ran to the lane and was relieved to see that it contained some trees and hedges. I crouched down and hid myself in a hedge. I held my breath soon the carriage passed it was fine and large i knew that it must be mr macy's i remained crouched down for a few minutes even though i knew that the quickly moving carriage must already be too far away for me to be seen i looked behind me through the hedge that hid me i could see several cottages i stood up and wiped off my dress i began walking towards the cottages unsure of myself and feeling exposed as I made my way to a path that was even rougher and narrower than the lane. The first cottage within my sight was very nice and larger than the ones I had already seen. The whitewash was fresh. As I got closer, the narrow path forked into two paths with one that led to the cottage and another that veered off away from the cottage. I felt self-conscious and instinctively moved away from the cottage as I did so I saw an older woman step out of the cottage she watched me for a few moments before going back inside I turned and walked away within a few moments I heard a voice calling to me hello hello young miss he said my face reddened why had I decided to do this my parents would surely hear of this I tried to think of some good reason that I could give for wandering through another's private property. I turned around and was surprised to see the priest that my father had spoken to the day that we had arrived in Clonlara. He began to quickly walk towards me. Hello, I thought that you were running away from me, he said with a broad smile. I reddened even more as he reached me. I wasn't sure how to answer. "'I am Father Brady. My mother noticed you and was worried that you might have lost your way,' he said. His face was kind and even more handsome than I had realized from my brief earlier glimpse of him. "'Please come in for a cup of tea,' he added. "'I am sorry for disturbing your mother, Father. I was walking and I shouldn't be,' I said, my voice trailing off. He looked at me with concern.' If you don't come in for a cup of tea, my mother's opinion of townsfolk will be greatly diminished, he said, his smile returning. I couldn't help but smile at this. I nodded. Thank you, I said with a meek and pitiful voice. He motioned for us to walk towards his cottage. I realized I had not introduced myself. I took a deep breath and tried to regain my composure. I am Costanza de la Mar I said my voice regaining some of its strength he glanced at me with concern It is a pleasure to meet you Costanza I have heard that your family has arrived to help with the flood restoration work he said Yes Mr Macy hired Father to help him I said my parents are visiting with him now my voice trailed off again and I choked back tears we reached the cottage his mother opened the door for us i'm sorry so very sorry i said tears filling my eyes i can't my parents would be so displeased with me i turned away mortified and began briskly walking away from the cottage father brady followed me and soon caught up to me by now i was crying he put his hand on my arm Please don't cry. Come inside and we will talk, he said, in a voice that one might have used to console a child. I will not tell your parents that we met, if you wish for me to keep this meeting a secret, he added. I nodded. We walked back to his cottage.